0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, October 6, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Lots of money is going into this election cycle that's thanks in part to Citizens United, which cut through a lot of restrictions on political speech. But it's not clear that challengers, once they themselves become incumbents, won't try to help undo much of the freewheeling speech that might serve to help them dislodge incumbents. John Samples, director of the Cato Institute Center for Representative Government, comments. Funds are flowing into elections to influence elections by less than savory groups. You support this.
1: I do indeed, yes. A more f- accurate and fair way of describing it is that there's some groups are raising money and spending it on various kinds of candidates. In recent elections, a lot of that was done by people associated with Democrats, this particular year, it's going to be people associated with Republicans. Part of that has to do, we have to remember, this money just doesn't show up uh, in a group, it has to be raised. And there's a lot of evidence out there now that the Democratic donors in, in the past, Mr. Soros being the most famous one, uh, are no longer that interested this year in electoral efforts. They're focusing on public policy efforts and other kinds of groups. Um, so the, the money that previously went to these groups and passed from Democratic donors is now going to other things. And I think there's a enthusiasm problem there. The donors are not all that happy with how things have gone with the Obama administration. So we've had a change, really, but and it's a change from one party to the other. Uh, but we would be unwise, I think, to conclude, oh, this is a permanent change caused by Citizens United, and it's all going to go to the Republicans in the future. It'll depend on the circumstances and who's wound up. When people were running, against, uh, and running ads against the Bush administration, um, you could raise money and you could spend it. There may be a... F- Things that are different in the future.
0: When people move from the city out into the suburbs, it's uh, sort of for that. For a lot of people, it's sort of a, a dream come true. But uh, you don't want land use regulation of who can move out there until you've got your house out there, right? And for politicians, uh, when you don't, when you're not yet elected, mm-hmm. you may support a very different regime than right. when you are elected. So, is there? Any evidence to conclude that uh, Republicans will be better about uh, supporting a wide range of groups being able to speak freely about uh, politics?
1: The, with everything, there's pluses and minuses. The, the reason to think that they will be supportive after 2010 of uh, free speech rights and free spending is uh, Senator McConnell will be the leader in Congress, really, of the Republicans. And he has shown at least well over a decade that he he is uh, supportive, and I think would be unlikely to support any kind of restrictions. On the minus side is, I think, what you point to here. We have to remember that about uh, one-fifth of Republicans in both houses voted for McCain-Feingold. Uh, and When they are elected, we may find that either some of the new members or some of the old members from uh, contentious competitive districts, uh, after a period, will learn to believe or may come to believe that uh, controls and limits on spending will be a good idea, particularly if, as is very likely, Uh, the Democrats will come back and these groups and the kinds, the the two parties really do act in some ways like uh, economic entities in that an innovation that comes from one party is often picked up by another. And so you would, what we see Mr. Rove and uh, others doing this uh, election cycle, uh, the Democrats aren't going to say, oh, gee, we can't do that. They're going to imitate it, particularly if it's perceived to be successful. Will that
0: mute in some way the fact that these groups out there are able to operate as freely as they are? Will that mute democratic opposition to some new rules governing how we speak about Candidates?
1: Um, perhaps. I mean, it'll certainly, if the Democrats still have a majority, or even if they don't, with uh, the way their members vote, uh, it may lead to the crafting of the rules in different ways, I would think. The other thing you do have to say, though, is there is a traditional uh, difference between the two parties that goes back. The Democrats uh, do vote in higher numbers for campaign finance legislation. Um, the thing you have to say though also is Democrats in the inside game the game of party uh, fundraising and so on and party spending they are ahead there now they are still ahead there now they are enjoying a considerable advantage in 2010 and we're still a month out so a lot of the money that they will be spending on this election has not yet been spent Uh, so I think you will see them very reticent to do anything that restricts uh, party differences. And this is a big change. Uh, Ten years ago or so, uh, the Democrats believed that the Republican Party would always outraise them, and therefore they needed campaign finance rules to make a go of it. But that's not true now.
0: Barack Obama Mm -hmm. chose to forego his uh, uh, potential to participate in— uh, government provided funds for, mm-hmm. for his election, and mm-hmm. he was uh, sort of, in some ways, I guess, broke ranks. Is he going to be interested? He's obviously taken a, uh, great pains to point out how terrible the Citizens United was as a mm-hmm. Supreme Court decision. Public mm-hmm. opinion is largely on his side there. Mm-hmm. But is he going to have uh, the ability to really uh, make good on a lot of those statements, given, given his actual performance when put to the test?
1: Well, I think you'd say a couple of things. One is that you have to keep in mind in all things involving campaign finance, when people talk about special interest, they don't mean the people that support them, right? Even if the group looks roughly the same in terms of size and so on. They mean people who support people who oppose them, right? And this is true not just to the president, but of everybody in politics, so i think that's one thing he's you know that's the position i think uh, that he he's enunciating there the other thing to remember about him is he's the greatest fundraiser that has ever lived as far as we know relatively you know he blew all the records out in 2008 and so i think for someone of that capability there's no reason to believe that restraints are going to help you unless they're highly specific on the other side, and those tend to be tough to get. Uh, the other thing about it, though, the great unknown, is in 2012, um, the circumstances are likely to be very different from 2008. And we don't know to what extent 2008 was uh, his operation, his own ability as a fundraiser. And to what extent people were excited and getting engaged and contributing because they were opposing eight years of uh, the Bush administration. So I think that's a calculation he and his advisors will make. But again, there is no reason to think that the organization he put together and his own abilities are uh, anything but phenomenal.
0: Despite the fact that the interests that are aligned with Democrats tend to be different than the interests that are aligned with Republicans when talking about defining special interests. Mm -hmm. Uh, George W. Bush signed McCain-Feingold into law. It was sponsored by uh, a leading Democrat and a leading Republican in the U.S. Senate. Mm -hmm. Um, There is some agreement on the fact that Republicans and Democrats, that is to say incumbents, just don't like certain groups speaking independently about politics, even if those groups support them nominally, saying, we support this guy, but we also want to hold him accountable on X, Y, and Z. And incumbents don't particularly care for that, even when it's support. It seems they'd much rather have a direct contribution to their campaign. Uh, speech that they can directly control.
1: Right. That's correct. I mean, we've seen uh, several times. um, I remember once testifying in Congress and the late Senator Ted Stevens was on the panel. And I remember what great bitterness he spoke of uh, sort of independent spending. By that he meant it's in the rules, spending independent of party or the candidate or it was, in his case, it was spending independent by the party that he could not control. Members, uh, not surprisingly, like to have control over their campaign. And these things are cannot, you know, it's illegal for the candidate to even try, much less to actually control these outside groups. That's why they're called outside groups. Uh, so I think for both party and particularly for the candidates... Yes, you're absolutely right. Not to mention the fact, of course, it's a unknown factor. Uh, incumbents on, in Congress, even ones that win big, live in fear. And one of the big fears they have is a big last-minute uh, spending push by uh, a group, which is then referred to as a secret group, and so on. They live in great fear of that. How
0: effective are those kinds of last-minute pushes?
1: Uh, on average, the... You know, I haven't seen any actual data, but the operatives and the experts and the consultants say that things, generally speaking, are set by a month out or so. Um, so these, these last-minute efforts tend to be more frightening than anything else. Uh, it's imaginable if you're an incumbent and you're in a very close race already that they could make a difference. But if you're in a race that late, you're in trouble in any case if you're an incumbent.
0: Even if that money is spent and uh, the candidate that this money is meant to help um, doesn't win, Mm -hmm. that still may create some sort of expectation on the part of voters for you as an elected official to do something about some issue, which, again, incumbents don't like.
1: Right, it could uh, highlight an issue. It could highlight a weakness. It could uh, could define, in some respects, what you're going to be focusing on, particularly if you're a House member the next couple of years. But you know, I think we also have to keep in mind that, thinking about it quasi economically, the point here, the point of campaign speech is voters. Right? I mean, they. The evidence is that. They're going to know more about the incumbent because of those, because of the spending. The spending we're talking about here, uh, the evidence is it will increase the knowledge uh, and combat, you know, the sort of rational political ignorance that's so much a part of uh, our political scene. So the, what the incumbents want really shouldn't matter because this is, in the end, a republic and government by the people.
0: John Samples is director of the Cato Institute's Center for Representative Government. He's also author of The Struggle to Limit Government. You can get your copy at Cato.org.